Let's pray. Grant unto us, O Lord, ears to hear your word, eyes to see your truth, and the heart to do your will, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We all know that Jesus is the Son of God, but what we don't always realise is that he's not the only Son of God, so called in the Bible. In Luke's Gospel, for example, the genealogy of Jesus is traced all the way back to Adam, and Adam there is called the Son of God. And indeed, Adam was the Son of God. He was made in God's image and likeness, and he was set over creation as God's regent and representative. Adam was given every possible blessing, short of the glory that belongs to God only. And God tested Adam commanding him to eat from any tree in the garden, but not from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. To do so was to die. But Adam was doubting of God's word. He was idolatrous and he was disobedient. So instead of trusting God, he in turn put God to the test. He did the very thing that God commanded him not to do, believing that in doing so, he would be like God. Adam failed the test, and now we both inherit and we reap the consequences of Adam's failure, Adam's sin. And far from being the natural sons of God, we are the natural sons of Adam. As Adam has fallen, so too have we. Israel too were called God's son. Before Pharaoh, God called Israel my firstborn son. Moses called Israel the children of the Lord, his treasured possession. And Hosea, he described Israel as the child that God loved, the son that he called out of Egypt. But just as Adam, the son of God, failed when he was tested, so too Israel, the son of God, also failed when they were tested. And God's purpose in testing them was in order to know what was in their heart, whether or not they would keep his commands. As a man disciplines his son, so the Lord God disciplined them. But Israel refused to be disciplined. At Meribah and Massah, at places of quarrelling and dispute, they tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? And when God fed them in the desert, they grumbled, grabbing at manna and quail. And God's question to Moses was, How long will Israel refuse to keep my commands and my instructions? Well, as it turned out, it didn't take long before they were disobedient again. No sooner had Moses gone up the mountain to receive God's commandments written on tablets of stone, that they take it upon themselves to worship a golden calf, announcing, This is your God, O Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. Can you believe that? That this is the God that supposedly just popped out of the fire one day whilst they're throwing in pieces of gold, as you do. It's, it seems pretty clear that sin not only weakens your moral resolve, 
it also makes you stupid. Recent events in Canberra can only confirm that. Whatever the case, Israel, God's son, well, they fail the test. So when we get to the New Testament and we're still looking for a saviour, still looking for a Messiah, it happens that he arrives also as the Son of God. And he's not like the first Adam, whose disobedience made many fail. He's the last Adam, whose obedience makes many righteous. He's not like God's son Israel, who attested in the wilderness and failed. He's the true Israel. He's the true Son of God. And as he comes up out of the waters of baptism and the heavens open, and the Spirit of God descends upon him like a dove, the voice of God from heaven says, This is my Son. This is the Son whom I love, and in him I am well pleased. And having been declared the Son of God, the Holy Spirit leads Jesus into the wilderness. And he takes him there, as verse 1 says, to be tempted, or better yet, to be tested by the devil. And it's no coincidence that he went there for 40 days and 40 nights. And as the true son and the true Israel, Jesus was recapitulating Israel's 40-year wilderness experience. Just as Israel was tested in order to know what was in their heart, so too was Jesus tested in order that he might prove his true sonship. As the devil says in verse 2 and in verse 6, if you are the son of God, then deal with the following test. And where Israel grumbled and refused to trust God for their food and water, Jesus instead did trust God, confident that man does not live by bread alone. And where Israel tested and tried God, though they had seen what he had done, Jesus instead puts his trust in God's word, refusing to put the Lord God to the test. And where Israel, in their idolatry, chose to worship a golden calf, Jesus refused the shortcut route to receiving all the kingdoms of the world and their splendour because he refused to bow down and worship a false god. Away from me, Satan, Jesus says, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So where Adam failed, Jesus was victorious. Where Israel failed, Jesus proved to be the true son, the beloved son, the faithful son, in whom the Father had every reason to be well pleased. And that's how Jesus began his ministry, and that's how he finished it. And though we think of Jesus' time in the desert as a time of temptation, it's best to think of it as a time of testing. For the divine nature of Jesus can in no way be tempted to sin. For in him there is no sin. There's no pride, there's no jealousy, there's no desire to consider equality with God as something to be grasped. But the human nature of Jesus, well, it is like ours. 
Like us, he tires, he hungers, he thirsts. Like us, he knows the pain of persecution and the sorrow of rejection. He sympathises with us in our weakness, for in every respect he's tempted just as we are, and yet without sin. So as we come into this period of Lent, I want you to think of it as a period of testing, rather than simply a time for resisting temptation. For if we give up some small pleasure in life for a season, it's unlikely to bring us closer to God. But it will very likely give us a sense of pride if we're successful, or a sense of despair if we fail. And what it typically doesn't do is that it doesn't humble us and test us in order to reveal what is in our hearts, whether or not we will keep God's commands. And it is indeed a true heart above all else that God requires of us. A heart of faith that seeks after God. A heart that delights to do God's will. Now Jesus didn't choose God's will contrary to his own. Jesus was faithful and true and obedient because he delighted to do God's will. He had a heart to do God's will. And that's not the sort of heart that we're born with. Strength of character and willpower, well, that won't give us a heart like that. And nor will any amount of self-denial. It's only God who changes our hearts. It's only God who gives us the desire to love him and to serve him. It's only God who can give us joy in obeying him. So Lent is a good time for us to examine our hearts. It's a good time to be praying with the psalmist, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my thoughts, and see if there is any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Israel did not know their own heart. They tested the Lord and were killed by snakes. They were grumbled and were killed by the destroying angel. And Paul tells us that these things happen to them as examples. They're written down as warnings for us. And then he says, so if we think we're standing firm, we need to be careful we don't fall. And that's an apt warning. Because the human heart, your, your heart and mine, well, it can be so self-deceiving. We can kid ourselves so easily. As Thomas Cranmer said, what the heart desires, no matter what it is, what the heart desires, the will chooses and the mind justifies. And Cranmer's right. We spend our whole lives seeking to justify whatever it is that our heart desires. And certainly that's what the Corinthians were doing. They took no notice of Paul when he warned them, don't be overconfident in yourselves. But when Paul next writes to them that things have gotten worse rather than better, so much so that he urges them to examine themselves to see whether they are in the faith or not. 
For if they were in the faith, Paul says, then Christ would be in them, unless, of course, they fail the test. And that really is the test. But whether Christ is in you or not. And if he is in you, then you're a new creature. You have a new heart. You have a heart that longs to please God. What grieves you is sin, and what delights you is doing God's will. Now that doesn't mean you'll always get it right, but it does mean that in your inner being, you will delight in God's law. So Lent's a good time for us to take the test. It's a good time for us to get our heart checked. And if in our heart we do not delight in doing God's will, then let's repent. Let's believe the gospel. Let's live our lives by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Let's live our lives not testing God, but trusting God. Let's live our lives so that God comes first in every decision that we make, in every deed that we do, and in every conversation that we have. Because if we don't worship the Lord our God and him only serve, then we will worship another God, a God of our own creation. And every other God, bar the Lord God, will enslave us and eventually will destroy us. So brothers and sisters, be sober-minded and watchful. Resist the devil who prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. And find your strength in the Lord and in his mighty power. Stand firm in his truth and his righteousness and find peace in the gospel of grace. Let faith be your shield and let the word of God be your sword. And above all, pray, because it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and never submit to a yoke of slavery, no matter how attractive it might seem. Let us pray. We thank you, our Father, that the Lord Jesus is your true beloved and faithful son and that by faith you have called us to be adopted sons and daughters accepted in the beloved heirs and co-heirs with Christ Jesus our Lord please forgive the ingratitude of our grumbling the blindness of our distrust and the wickedness of our idolatry forgive us when we've been tested and found wanting Restore unto us the joy of your salvation and renew a right spirit within us. For who do we have in heaven but you? The earth has nothing we desire besides you. Our flesh and our heart may fail, but you, O Lord, are the strength of our heart and our portion forever. To you alone be glory in our lives and in our church. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.